This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 51, recorded on the 10th of April, 2013. Today's topic, retaining campers. If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe in iTunes, the BlackBerry Podcast Directory, or the Stitcher app. Search for Camp Hacker. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by the Camp Owners and Directors Association. You provide quality camp experiences for children, helping them grow and gain independence. We help you achieve your vision. And by the Camp Hacker Evaluating Your Online Presence Report, an easy-to-understand measurement of your online marketing efforts. The EOP also includes a one-hour consultation at no extra cost. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. I'm Travis Allison. I write a blog about running a great summer camp at camphacker.tv. Hi, my name is Dan Weir. I'm the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility up in the Catskill Mountains, and this was my 16th summer this past summer working at Frost Valley. And my name is Gabrielle Real, and I'm one of the directors at Camp Waro. Camp Waro is an all-girls camp uh, with a linguistic program uh, in Quebec, and I can't remember how many years I've been <laughs> working there, but it's been a long time. All of them, basically? <laughs> yes, lots, lots, lots. <laughs> and I'm Joe Joe Richards and I am from Pierce Williams Christian Center. I'm the executive director, and we are a United Church of Canada summer camp and retreat facility located in Fingal, Ontario, which is sort of halfway between Detroit and Toronto, and I've been here almost exactly eight years. Amazing. They brought you in right before the summer started, Joe? Uh, June 6th of 2005, yeah. Well, welcome back. To welcome back to everybody. Uh, sorry, it's been a month since the last show, but uh, we we're just talking. We're going to try to make sure that we get one out every two weeks. So there'll be five new episodes between now and the start of your summer program, and then we'll take a break over the summer. We uh, um, have tried in the past to do one show a month in the summer, but it hasn't really worked. So if we get one, it'll be a bonus. If not, um, you can expect that we'll return again in September. So we are uh, talking today about camper retention. It's a, it's almost a funny time to think about retaining campers since uh, it's a little too late for 2013, but I do believe it's a really good time to think about it because um, things you do in the summer will have an incredible effect on whether or not campers return the year following. And I just wanted to start with the three of you and, and just sort of go through, on a basic level, sort of an overall, what, um, well, actually what I'd like to start with is, do you know what your camper retention rate is, Joe? That's a strange question you asked, Travis. But I know what my camper retention rate is. Um, are we dealing with... <coughs> I know how many campers have signed up this year that were here last year, mm -hmm. and how many campers who have signed up are new this year. So that's part of the retention rate. 
the return rate is is something entirely different in my mind. So just last night at a board meeting we talked about the fact that we have a 65% increase in our camper numbers over this time last year. Now understand that our campers always register later um, but this year we're at you know 170 some odd campers and last year we were at like 75. Um, so there's a it's it's certainly one of those things where we are delving deeper into it each year knowing how many campers and, and what camps they come back to and and what counselors they what counselors they find but our retention rate is quite um, our return rate is somewhere around 70 percent for campers um, when you take out children and family services campers mm -hmm. so what's the difference between retention and return for you to your mind That's a good question you asked, Travis. <laughs> I only ask because... I don't know. I think they're the same thing. I think it's just... Well, maybe there isn't a difference. Retention is keeping campers. A return is getting campers to come back, which is, in a sense, keeping campers. Um, but return rate doesn't qualify. What if a camper comes back for two weeks in the next year when they only came for one week in the previous year, do I get to count them as two returning campers? Or have I doubled my camper retention, right? It's... it's right, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Dan, do you have a statistically ambiguous number for camper no, return no. rate? Um, we are... Uh, <laughs> this year, we're averaging 75%. Um, in the past few years, we've watched that number grow. I think a few years ago, we were um, about 65 um, uh, teetering 70 depending on the year and, and we're, we've watched it go up the past few years and we've done a few things to to really nurture that and to really kind of keep them coming back as well too um, which I'm sure I could get into uh, in, yeah. But, but yeah um, it's 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 I, I like that rate uh, I'm very happy with that rate mm -hmm. well. sounds awesome what, what's it at World Gap do you know? It's about the same as uh, Frost Valley, and we've been going up over the past couple of years, but around 70-75% um, return rate um, is, seems to be our normal right now. So, And that's, for us, good. We like, we like that sort of changeover, and we're happy with that return rate. Right. Yeah. And, Gab, what sort of things do you do at Waro to encourage campers to sign back up again? get registrations in early, whatever whatever it is you do? I think we've had to work really hard to get, um, we've had to work really, really hard to get our English families and our French families on the same um, wavelength of registration because uh, we're working with two different cultures. So uh, traditionally French families um, in Quebec camps register around March and that created a very large um, gap between our English campers and our French campers registering. So we would start, re we started registration a long time ago in December and we kept moving it closer and closer to September. So now we're at the end of September for registration and middle of December for end of um, returning camper registration. And so that's taking a really long time for us to do that, but it was in a way training our, our families that this is how we work so that we could provide you know the best uh, best services possible and one of the things that we've done is just communication with the parents over the the summertime so we don't post pictures 
Um, but what we do is uh, we do post on, on Facebook, things that people do anyways. But we created a, a card for, for, for kids to bring home and show their families what they've accomplished. So activities, language skills, those type of things. And that sort of created a conversation between uh, parents and campers. So just little things about getting parents involved in, in asking their kids about camp. We're, we're trying to start conversations between the two so that um, they can see the enthusiasm um, from the campers. Uh, so that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so Gab, um, up until mid-December, it's only returning campers that can register? That's right. Um, everybody else goes on a waiting list and then and then after that we, we fill it up. And, and families have really learned that if they want the spots that they, they really want, that they should that they should register before our early bird or else those spots aren't guaranteed anymore. And that waiting list does help with just filling up those beds. And maybe a little bit of the panic too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you say guarantee. Do you send out a message that says we will hold this spot for your daughter until December 15th? Um, well, they <laughs> they have to register basically. So okay. there there's no spots that are held. They have to register before yeah. that time, and then then that's it, that's it. So. If they don't register, then they don't have a spot available. They'll ask if we can hold a spot, and we'll hold it maybe right. for a couple of days until they yeah. commit. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's fair. Uh, what What do you guys do, Joe? We, um, when I first arrived, we have a a lot of the campers here register really late. Um, like we at this point, we are less than. Uh, one-third of where we want to be in the end, right? So at 200 campers, and we're looking for 600 for the summer. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> excuse me, remembering that we're week-long sessions. And so um, we've started to push things back. We have our registration forms out in November, which um, a lot of the camps we're competing with um, won't have their registration forms out even now, or maybe this month they got them out. Um, and so we do uh, give the camp, give the gift of camp for Christmas mm -hmm. uh, push, where campers get a free t camp T-shirt, a special limited edition T-shirt if they sign up for our Christmas promotion, and we deliver that T-shirt to them for um, to be under the tree for Christmas morning with a card that tells them they're going to camp. Parents are going to pay for camp anyway. Why not? Why not give a bit of a reward for it? Yep. Um, and we just. That's our big thing that we do to try and push it earlier and try to get it into people's minds earlier. Um, birthday cards and uh, those those touching the campers at least once a month is is the other goal so that they have a they have an idea. I just was thinking on the <coughs> as I was getting out of the car to come down to do this that um, I always have a challenge in my mind with our T-shirt design and. I was thinking that potentially I would do an online t-shirt design contest for, for campers for them. If I give them a theme and they give, come up with a design, they get the free t-shirt and it, it, it gets on our camp t-shirt for this summer. So, If we like it. That's great. How many families will get stuff in in time to get the, the Christmas, give a gift to camp for Christmas? Uh, probably only about 15 at this point. Um, oh, yeah. And that number has gone up. So we started at like seven families with like 14 campers, and now we're at 15 families with closer to 30 campers. The thing is, because most of our campers are local, 
I literally drive the t-shirts and drop and do like a Santa delivery a few days before Christmas to their house um, right. because it's a lot cheaper to pay kilometers than it is to pay postage. Right. right. Dan, with all of the different <laughs> camping programs that you have, um, does it sort of vary how um, returning numbers? Uh, you know, it... Um, Returning numbers is funny. I, I, I do find it, it's based on the camp director. Um, for instance, um, our farm camp director, um, Andy, has been in the role for his upcoming, this, he'll be, this will be his upcoming um, summer, it'll be his third summer as the camp director. And um, we have watched us be ahead about 25% each season since he's stepped in the camp director role because he's such an engaging camp director and so charismatic. So I really do think that um, that the people you have in place really do matter in mm -hmm. terms of it, um, just from watching the different camps. And, and for people that don't know Frost Valley, we have eight overnight camping programs and two day camp programs. So I really get to play with a kind of um, almost laboratory style of like, oh, let's try this with this program, let's try this with that program, and it works out well. Um, at the same point in time, um, I, I definitely have to coordinate a lot more in terms of making sure that we are providing the same messaging and doing the same things, because if you don't do something for one part of camp and do something for another, um, people get very upset. They're, why are the equestrian kids neglected? Why, why are the farm kids find out last? You know, I've heard those phrases before. But um, I love to share what we do for retention, because we have a... Um, this is something that I've been really researching the past four years and, and finding camps that have high retention rates, and, and I finally feel like we, we have our system that, that works. Um, so before the summer starts, we actually figure out when next summer dates are going to be and what the prices are going to be so that um, this upcoming summer, at the end of a session, campers will actually go home with a pre-filled out registration form for them. Mm. And they literally could check a box and just leave $100 down, and that will be their down payment, and they won't have to pay anything until April, and it'll hold their spot. Um, we also did, um, at the same point in time, if you uh, registered by October 31st, you got the camper exclusive t-shirt. We made sure to model that during the last dinner <laughs> and um, and make sure not let have any staff get it as well. Right. Um, so uh, the staff were dying to have it, which caused the kids dying to have it. And it sounds silly, but uh, we did a baseball tee style this year and um, people absolutely loved it. And we're definitely, you know, I, I don't think they were, they were signing up because of the quality of program is high, but an incentive for them to get their registration early was this this illustrious t-shirt that you could only get by doing this. Um, another thing we do in programmatic sense uh, for um, retention is at closing campfire for each session, uh, campers that are leaving that summer, so if they're not staying for another part of the camp, they get their patch. And so their patch is a symbol of, of the camp they're in. And um, I, I probably have some lying around. I'll find it in a minute since I'm not talking. Um, and it has the year. So if this is their first year in Camp Alwianda, they would get a giant W and a 1. If this was their first year, or if this was their third year and they were going on an adventure trip, they would get the specific trip symbol and a 3. And so um, the high, it goes 1 to a star. So uh, we only, in order to get a star, you have to be basically a staff member. You have to work your way throughout the system. And I literally have kids here that want 
to become staff. I have, I have 10 11-year-olds that are like, oh my god, I can't wait till I'm a CIT when I'm 16 and become a staff member when I'm 17 and then and work their way up the system. So you have, um, you have people dying to come back to do the programming, which is completely unique. We let all of our programming be done during the summer by our, our unit leaders, which people like really die to work up to be. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, it's creating this retention even with the staff as well too. We have a similar staff retention rate. Um, I do believe that the kids come back for the staff as well, that you really need to make sure that you're having a huge staff retention. And then um, uh, the other stuff we do during the year, um, we do a lot with social media. Um, we're doing a photo of the day right now. We are year-round camp conference education facility, so we have a lot of content to put up there, but we are engaging in social media daily with people. Um, I am specifically emailing last year's uh, parents when a session sells out. So for instance, the farm camp session one and two for the boys is sold out. So I emailed uh, those those parents and, uh, and said, just so you know, we, we're about to sell out with this camp session. You need to register now. Um, and it's not... It using it's creating that panic that Gab was talking about, mm -hmm. but at the same point in time, it's making them feel like they're in the loop. So it's not not a negative panic, <laughs> you know. So there's a way to do it without creating pure fear. I joke that you know you, you create fear, but um, like Gab said, it's it's training your families. You have to train them to sign up earlier. So um, if they don't normally sign up in April and they were to come back in April and find out their spaces were sold out, they'd be really upset. So if spaces are starting to go in February, you should email them and say, hey, just want to let you know. Spaces are starting to go. Wanted to keep you in the loop. It also protects you in April when they register and, and they're upset with you. And you can say, look, I, I emailed you in February and I know you got it. I just wanted you to know that. Um, and then the uh, where we're moving towards is we're really moving towards engaging in paper mailing every month, with, specifically towards the kids and making it a qualitative something. Um, and I know that sounds backwards. I know a lot of people are going green, but I really find that our email open rates are dropping and that um, people are getting inundated with emails and it's so much so cheaper for people to market with emails with other companies that people aren't getting the same amount of mail. And kids love getting mail. So we mail kids a, a yearbook. We mail kids a birthday card. We mail kids a, um, we're going to be mailing them a crossword puzzle in a few weeks. We're going to mail them a newsletter in the fall. But we're trying to engage them monthly um, via mail. And for someone that loves us, a, a child that was dying to come back to camp, we're reminding them to bug their parents send them back to camp. Yeah. Um, and uh, But we're still providing in a quality way. We're not saying, hey, sign up now, register now. That's not the messaging we're sending to the kids. We're, we're instead reminding them they're part of this camp family. So the, it's, it's that stuff that we've done that has really um, made a difference. Um, and some of the stuff we were doing naturally just had to kind of point out so we remember to do it. And some of the stuff was a little bit more of a stretch for us. But um, it's been great. I, I really... I've been happy to see our retention rate, and I'd much rather spend time on retention than on the road at a camp fair or um, you know any of the other various things that we do to market. So, um, there's two things I wanted to touch on from what you said, Dan. One, um, it, tell me again what, at what point you have next summer schedule ready to go. Um, I'm actually doing that right now. So um, we're going back and forth right now. So um, last year we had it done by early May. So, so it's approved and ready to announce by early May. 
Yeah, and I'm a nonprofit, so we have to set our budgets very tight. And I mean, we just figure it out. I just we sit down and we're like, okay, if based on our numbers, what is the number we have to charge? So. Right, right. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Um, the other thing, oh, shoot, might have forgot it. Oh, um, in all of the things that you send out, um, is any of it um, pass this on to your friends? Um, not retention. I'm just thinking about sort of refer refer us for to other people. Yeah, no, we definitely encourage people to extend. Uh, we use the language extending our camp family, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but um, word of mouth is by far our biggest um, tool for new families. Um, I joke that our our sweatshirt does more selling than than we do, um, yeah. and that you know kids go home with a sweatshirt. They talk about what Frost Valley <laughs> is, and, and that's what it is. But um, it's it's huge in that sense. Yeah, you know, I think when you're sending your child away for any period of time. Families are really going to look for people that they trust. They're not going to look for who has the shiny billboard or the shiny ad. That ad, you know, the, when they search for you on Google AdWords, it might remind them to sign you up, and it might be reaching to them. But they're going to do a little more than just visit their website and make the decision. They're going to, if they don't know you, they're going to ask around, or they're going to call and have a conversation, or come to an open house. Um, you know, you're you're taking care of their child, and if you look at where things are going in terms of childcare and education. There's so much fear about who's working with your child and are they a safe place now, especially in the States, that uh, I think that people really want to know who's engaging with their child on a day-to-day -day basis and want to know you and want to feel that trust in you more than ever before. Right. Great. Thanks, Dan. Um, Joe, is there stuff that that you've been thinking about putting in or improving or changing in in your work to retain campers? There's always stuff that you think about and and it's I've been trying to figure out how to implement a like a returning camper, right? Every year that they get something or like a fifth year camper, a ten year camper, a ten year staff member, those sorts of things. I just haven't figured out the best way to um to go about it. Um I think that <coughs> Excuse me. As we look to the future, a lot of things Dan has talked about, and and it's it's this idea that um, you know taking something and making it camper specific, and and having them be part of it. Um, so it's it's keeping campers interested in camp on a year-round basis, and and we're in that situation where a lot of those kids live close by. So we try to do things that are that will keep our name in the not only in the community but get. An event that kids and parents can come out to and, and help with um, on a regular basis which will help them and we also find you know we find through all of this and in all my years as a summer camp marketing person over the past 15 years word of mouth is the is the best and and still the biggest way that people are going to hear about you a lot of the other stuff is reminders right it's this idea that I, I remember you from seeing you at a camp fair but it wasn't you know someone else talked about you um, and yeah, uh, camp fairs aren't something we do. We do one a year. Um, camper retention for us is all about. I put a lot of that value on, on how we train our staff and and the type of programs that staff offer at camp, <coughs> especially a camp that doesn't have specialized programs, right? So, the value in in the staff and in that training time is all towards camper retention, right? The the idea that the campers will want to come back 
if they have an amazing camp experience, right? The the job description is to do what needs to be done to show the campers the most amazing summer camp experience. And if you can convince all of your staff to buy into that, then your camper attention is going to go up without doing much else. Yep. And I think one thing that, I mean, this, this is why I want to talk about it now, is there's so many things we can do in the summer to build that. And I, really, you're just building relationships with those kids and... and um, thinking about ways to um, keep those relationships going, I think, is a lot of what Dan's doing with paper products. Um, but also, <clears throat> the um, the little things like, <clears throat> pardon me, um, little things like um, counselors remembering campers' names. If there's any way that you can set them up to succeed with that, um, I know as a kid it was. After I'd been to camp for a couple of years, it was always such a thrill at 9, 10, and 11 years old um, to walk into registration and have the director say, hey, Travis, how's it going? Great to have you back this year. Um, and that, I always look forward to seeing our director, Bob, every year because <coughs> I knew that he would remember and, um, and say that. So I, I think it's great to, um, well, to keep I, that in mind and try to figure out a way Just that, to speak on that point um, a bit. Yeah, go, Joe. Just to speak on that, I just returned from the Buckeye Leadership Workshop, which I've talked about on here, and one this was the first year that one of the registrants, when asked how she, she came to Buckeye, she's like, I heard it through Camp Hacker, and we're like, that's awesome. But one of the reasons I go back and one of the reasons my staff want to go back, even if I make them pay their own way after two years, is because yeah. everyone remembers their name. It's, it's such a, a valuable thing to be someone who people know. And, and at camp, that's because a lot of these kids can go to school for years and and other teachers don't know their name and sometimes their teacher might not even know their name. And, and at camp, if we can make that the experience, then that's that's just as powerful as anything else we do. And, that, and Joe, that's uh, our philosophy as well, is, is really nurturing the relationship. You know, I look at it this way, like, if you treat people that come to camp like a relative, you wouldn't just talk to them once a year when you need something. You would engage them more, and, um, and that's, oh, well, hopefully you treat your family like that, but, but that's another discussion. So, yeah. Awesome. Gab, is there stuff that um, that you folks have been talking about adding to or or changing what you're doing with um, to get campers to come back? I think I think everybody's sort. Of, I mean, saying the very similar thing, which I think is that's essential uh, in any in any company is is uh, quality quality product, quality relationships, um, and and building that within your staff training and. You know, and within your campers, and getting that culture moving within your campers as well. Um, I think it's also important to teach your staff how to talk about camp um, in a promotional way um, to highlight some of the things that you do it within your organization, so that your campers can repeat it as well. Um, and and then in turn have your campers talk about that with their parents. And like I said, one of the things that we're really trying to do is encourage a more in-depth conversation between parent and child about camp um, because what we were finding was that our typical 10 or 11 year old would come back and said like most amazing summer ever and mom or dad would say oh how come and they would say it was hilarious because 
milk came out of one of the girl's nose at a campfire because <laughs> she was laughing so hard. And so the, the picture that the parent is getting is she had a really fun summer. And they can see the change and they can, they can feel that she's grown as an individual, but they don't know how. How did that happen? And they don't necessarily read all of our documentation. So um, on how we do things and why we do things, um, they're not as in, interested in that. They're most the person they want to listen to the most is their child. So we really try to have that every counselor writes a personal letter to uh, each kid. We have somebody that um, edits that letter um, or translates it depending on what family it goes to that letter goes to that child um, about two or three weeks after camp with an album of, of pictures on it and so in that letter there's three specific things on what what that counselor appreciated about that kid uh, how she developed as an individual how she contributed to the group um, and those are the three things that that we put in and then as well as what activities she tried what activities she passed um, and where she put in a lot of effort and that, that we were finding to be very, very successful. Um, this, is our, this will be our uh, second year doing it, but already the feedback we're getting is huge. And then the other thing that we're really trying to do is to, to give the tools to our families to promote our camp. So a lot of questions that new families have, you know, what does the first day look like? What, what, what kind of food is at camp? Um, you know, what should I pack? So we're making very short videos that are underneath 50 seconds that answer, um, you know, our top 20 most frequently asked questions. And um, they're taking a while to, to do, but parents are starting to notice that they're there and they can show that to family and friends. Like, this is what the first day looks like. This is what the dining room and this is how it runs. This is why they put two English kids and two French kids in the same cabin group. So it gives them the tools to say, instead of just saying, Camp is amazing, they have so much fun. It's a really magical place. Um, it talks about all those safety things that, that Dan was talking about earlier to give them you know, the tools to do that. And we're really finding that camp fairs aren't working. They want to know us um, through somebody else and through our online um, presence. That's what they want to see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a party. Someone's got a party in their office. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my. I'm sorry, it's next door. So. I love it. <laughs> no problem. Um, I was thinking about things that that we had done in the past. Some of which we we've talked about, and, and others have touched on here. We did um, recognize people for coming back for being involved at camp for ten years, and get you got your ten year paddle, which goes up in the dining hall. Um, and we have people who have their, <clears throat> pardon me, we have people who have their 20-year um, paddle. Um, and now um, my wife Beth has the, is the first one who has their 30-year canoe um, that, uh, that is up there. So that's, that's something that we did. But I like Gab's idea of the, the note that the staff writes. Um, and we would give staff, like Joe, we had a camp that was a week long. Kids would come in on Sunday and leave on Saturday for us. I know that this is not exactly the case for Joe, but um, <clears throat> our, there'd be time on Friday when senior staff would take all the kids and do something with them or usually in their cabins. Um, and then the counselors would come out and they would get a chance at that point to write a postcard. And that postcard would be mailed out the next week. And it would, um, 
counselors are trained to know that you have to write something specific that this camper achieved this week. Um, you can't just say, it was really nice having you in this cabin because you're so nice. Um, and it will be nice to see you again next week. Won't that be nice? Um, but you have to really be um, specific with your praise and, and talk about that. And and um, I, those camper counselor postcards uh, are a hit. And even we have them around our house from when we've gone back as uh, family campers. So our counselor would write us as family campers a, a card and thank us for the weekend and doing fun things together. Um, so that's one thing. <clears throat> but there are definitely all these things like Dan said that you can mail out at different points in the year. And um, just connect kids back to camp and remind them that what a great time they had and registration's coming. One thing that um, I often talk about when I'm doing presentations, um, and I got this idea from Gab actually, when they did um, a Happy New Year video a couple of summers ago, um, recorded it midsummer and then released it on New Year's Day. And I love the idea of, of camps, especially if you have a um, a birthday tradition that happens at the camp. So kids that have a birthday during the summer get some sort of special, um, something special happens. And for us, it was um, a special chant and cheer that the whole dining hall would do. And the staff would almost come and dance around you. And then you'd get presented with a cupcake and a candle and the whole dining hall would sing happy birthday. And as a kid who's born in March, I never got that. And so I always thought, um, and I've talked to many camps about doing this, I've yet to see one who does it, I hope somebody will get in touch with us and show us, um, is record that little ritual from the camper's perspective. So in our case, it would be sitting down at a bench with all the staff all around, um, and then email that to the kid on their birthday and say, happy birthday from camp, here's this. Um, Challenge okay. accepted. We, we actually have our video, our birthday video online. Uh, yes. Don't email it to people right now. If you search Frost Valley uh, Hula Hop, um, okay. it'll come right up. But um, That's awesome. Pretty obnoxious. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we filmed it during winter camp a few years ago. Um, yeah. but we don't. E that's a great idea, emailing it to the camper. Um, I'm actually writing that right now. Because right now, <laughs> yeah. I could easily work that out. I mean, I could. that's not a hard thing to do. No. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely look up the hula hop and I'll try to put it in. I'll make a note actually to put it into um, the show notes from today. Great. Uh, Joe, do you have any thoughts? Um, I get the feeling with the delay that um, we're losing your attention today, but I just wanted to make sure I reach out to you one more time and see if there's anything else you'd like to add before we move on to the tool. You're not uh, you're not losing my attention. I was just um, I, I'm taking notes, taking notes. Um, as we go. Yeah, so that I have lots of ideas to take back. Um, that's one of the value I find in this in this group. This is like a mini conference every couple of weeks. This is great because we get to share things on a specific thing. Um, my thoughts are there's so many things I would like to do, and the, the question just becomes execution, because if you're not going to execute it well, then don't start. If you're going to start something and not continue it, that's going to suck worse than if you never started it, because people will remember that and say, well, why didn't you do that with me? I was sort of thinking about this idea of the, the returning camper, the patches, or, or somehow recognizing them, and up until this time, I'd always had staff members who were here before me um, but now I don't. <coughs> all of, excuse me, all of my staff are 
Um, I'm now the longest serving staff member at camp, so it would be easy for me to go back and look in our database system and just use campers who, right, I can use that as our system and I don't have to trust another system to, to know whether it was, you know, how many years they were a camper or what they did or what, you know, so we, I can just start now and say, okay, well, well great. So, Judge, just to give you uh, feedback, um, so for us, um, we have so many kids and so many things going on, it's actually really hard for us to keep track of how many years kids have been coming back and we actually really struggle with it. So what we, how we can at the patches is we do it at closing campfire and we have a whole bunch of them and we just basically have kids get up by their year and we trust them and then we also trust social dynamics of no it's not your third year someone to yell out if someone gets up inappropriately but they get up and they literally could do um, uh, ET hug or a handshake with uh, it's an ET handshake or a hug so you could go like this you could shake someone's hand or you could hug your your village chief so the, the village you've been part of and then they give you that patch right there at the campfire so they can only get it then and what it does is I don't have to mail them out. <laughs> I don't have to do any of the normal burdens of things. I just need to make sure I have enough patches. And we just over-order because we're never going to get rid of this tradition. Um, and then it becomes something special. And then people, if they need their patch later on, they call and we tell it, we email it to them and that's, or mail it to them, that sort of thing. But it cuts down on the logistics because I had the same issues you had. Um, our well, databases are ugly. Yeah, that's uh, in it. That sense, so. That's a great idea. I love the because at our closing campfire, we we have our we invite our parents out at closing campfire on Fridays. So for us, nice. it would be a really simple thing to add because then the parents would see it and the parents would yeah. be like, "Oh my gosh!" And then but and then the question I would have to tackle is, how do you do it with a camper who's come back for three weeks that summer? Well, there's there's still only a second year camper, right? Like. Yeah, they only get it three the, weeks, but they get it when they're leaving the property. Uh -huh. That's what we do. So, like the fourth their session, last, yeah, their last week of camp. Yeah, yeah, our last week, our last when we do it at the end of the awesome. summer, we actually give it to the staff too, and the staff are dying to get the patches because some of them have been campers, and you, know, you it just kind of reinforces you, my, my friend, you, my friend, just solved a lot of work for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, so I got this. I got so we used to do this, and then we stopped in the '70s because it was too burdensome. And then I was visiting other camps, and I found out that two camps that I really respect and have really great retention rates, Beck at Chimney Corners and Coniston, um, at both in the Northeast and both are Y camps. Um, they they've been doing this, and, they, and literally, you know, I've heard kids say, "Oh, I had a good time this year, but I really want to come back to get my patch next year." They're coming back for a dollar piece of felt, <laughs> like that's um, and you know, and it's it's something silly, but it doesn't have to be a patch. Um, and we actually did um, we did our, our tri-state. We did, we couldn't find something to give people, so we ran out and we got. Dixie cups because they were by the water fountain, and we handed them out at the end of closing camp at our closing campfire that we did with them, and we talked about how this couple replenished their soul of, of camping, and you know you could add symbolism to anything in that sense, but uh, I like the patch because people are dying to come back year after year to get that next number. So that's awesome. We give we give ours um, at the beginning, um, our first official campfire. Um, of each session, and that's to signify that there's that there's no new campers after this evening. So when you get your first year patch, you're officially you're no longer a first year. Um, there's no new campers. Like we're all, you know, yeah. together. Yeah. yeah, that's the problem. 
this and then is, they, um, they can sew it on their camp blanket and stuff like that. So that's yeah. that's cool. This this is um Wally on this. So this is the younger part of camps. And they all in the same shape. So that's and Dan, cool. are they just felt or are they like embroidered patches? No, they're screen printed felt. Um, you know, if I could redo the whole thing, the whole system, I would I would do em embroidered because it's nicer and it's cheaper. But uh uh, really, we went with this because this is what they used to get years ago, um, and it was black felt on uh, orange felt on top of black felt. So now we just have it screen printed, and it's actually orange felt. So, but um, it works out well, and it's about a dollar a patch. So. Yeah. The people oh. hate me that that make them. They they definitely do. They're like, oh, we gotta get those patches again for you, right? But uh, but it's worth it. <laughs> yes, I hate it when you people make us do things yeah, and pay us money. Make me money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's such a pain for me. Yeah. You giving me money. Uh, Joe, any final thoughts on that? Any other final thoughts? My head is overflowing with ideas now. I, Excellent. I can't say anything else. Good. Gab, is there any, any wrap-up thoughts that you have? Um, I think I think this is a good topic to to talk about right now. I think that it, um, like Dan has a lot of things that are are planned and scheduled in. I think it is important to to make these sort of plans now, and um, even like the video that we did uh, a couple of years <coughs> ago, planning these type of things that can s sustain you online at least uh, throughout the year. And just a little bit of planning beforehand is really, really helpful. So I think this is a great topic to talk about right now. Awesome. Dan, is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, I, I think just philosophically you should look at it as that you partner with the parent in raising the child. And so you're just keeping that partnership alive, you know, and, and, and trying to remember, make people remember that camp is not something they think about every summer. But that's something they should think about as helping raise their kid. And if you if you philosophy if you think of it out that way philosophically, um, the marketing efforts will be natural and easy, and you can do things exactly to your camp needs. The passion might not work for everybody at camp. Um, you know, the um, you might find something else. But just look at it that way that you're keeping the relationship with that family together because you've had an impact on that child. Excellent. Thank you. Um, oh, crap. I was liking what Dan was saying so much, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, ah, it's fine. We'll let it go. Thank you. Thank you all for that contribution to the Retaining Campers uh, discussion. At this point, we will move on to our Tool of the Week. Tool of the Week. For those of you who are joining us, and I see that we have a, a few people watching us live, which is always fun for us, um, that uh, those of you who are joining us live or, um, or listening to the audio or watching us on YouTube, the Tool of the Week is something that each one of our panelists brings to help us become a better camp director. Uh, and I would like to start with Dan's because I'm really intrigued by Dan's pick today. Yeah, um, so um, mine is the ACA 
uh, 2013's uh, Emerging uh, Issues Survey Results. And so basically ACA issues out a survey every year uh, electronically. This year they're doing it through SurveyMonkey and they, uh, they publish the results. They haven't published them in a few years. So I, I found this on ACA's website. You can just search ACA Emerging Issues or just click the link in the, the show notes. But uh, it's really interesting. Um, you know, I know for us we're talking a lot about security here and uh, trying to figure out which way to go. And uh, this was really insightful to see what other camps are doing and how they're they're treating it. And um, I think it's just it's good to know what the issues are and the trends are in our industry. So um, I, I I think you should take a look. I was also shocked at some of the responses, and um, it makes you feel better about your practices. But yeah. <laughs> What uh, what are those? What sort of questions are on there? Um, it's everything from general issues you're seeing to um, health center issues, to um, you know how your camp property is. Uh, what do you charge extra fees for certain activities? Security. Um, what food options do you offer people? Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting because we are in this industry of providing childcare in some aspects, um, developing children in other aspects and then meeting customers' needs and other aspects, the parents' needs. So it's, it's interesting to see um, what other camps are doing so you could comfortably tell families, like, no, and to be honest with you, not a lot of camps provide that. Because mm. parents don't know what camps provide and what they don't provide, and it's okay to say, um, yeah, no, I, I know you love to talk to your kid every day on the phone, but the camps that do let you go on the phone, they only let you do it once or twice during the session uh, for overnight camps. So I think it's important to build up your vocabulary as well, too, is looking at this um, survey. But it's, got, it's covering technology. I mean, it really covers, it's pretty extensive. It's pretty long as well, too. It takes a while to read. Wow, that's great. Thank you. Uh, Joe, what's your pick? My pick this week is uh, Google Grants. Um, so Google gives it grants as part of its mission, I guess. And um, it is... Oh, that's awkward. It is... Um, <laughs> essentially, it's a free program for Google AdWords. And so what, what happens is you can spend upwards of 300... You can spend $330 a day as your budget, which translates to about $10,000 a month or $120,000 a year. It works for both uh, nonprofits in the U.S. and nonprofits internationally. Canadian one. The application was one of the simplest things I filled out. The only challenge would be as if you didn't have the proper paperwork, but you could request that from your revenue agency. And um, essentially, you're getting free advertising and, and unlimited campaigns, which means you can do... So, for example, Pierce Williams has uh, summer camp campaigns up for both traditional summer camp and, let's say, Christian summer camp, but we also have a donations campaign up, and we also have a rentals campaign up, um, and an outdoor education campaign up. And you can choose where you want to. We just, I, I found the easiest thing was to choose a radius around, um, like a, tr uh, a distance from Pierce Williams. So, you know, be it 150 kilometers or they do everything in miles for whatever reason. Um, silly Americans. And uh, it's one of those things where, so I'm, some of my rental stuff goes all the way past Toronto and I just left Michigan and, and Cleveland, oh, part of Ohio comes into it because it's across the lake. But for donations, we went all across North America and, um, and you can track your keywords and add new keywords and, 
<coughs> you're limited on your bid amount. If you know anything about AdWords, you're limited to a $2 maximum bid amount, which means some of those words, so camp, for example, we fall off the first screen, um, but we still get clicks because people go through to the second screen of, of search results. All right. All right. Um, and I think this is true. I remember reading this, and I hope that I'm, if I'm giving a false information, I'm sure someone will correct me and let us know and we can fix that. But um, once you're registered as a nonprofit with the Google for Nonprofits program, you do get this um, AdSense program, which could be up to $10,000 a month in advertising. Um, and once you, I think Joe would, would agree with me, once you sort of get to know the AdSense program and understand how keywords work, um, then it can be incredibly valuable to you. Um, but the other thing that comes with being registered as a nonprofit, I'll let you answer that in a sec, Joe. Um, the other thing that comes with being registered as a nonprofit is that you can also get Google Apps for your domain, um, which would allow you, which is, Google Apps for your domain is calendar, email, and Google Docs, um, and uh, other few things that come under that. That is, so you're essentially e emailing from your own domain. Um, and then instead of setting up an email server, you just do it through Google. And it's an awesome program. We've talked about it lots of times before. Um, <clears throat> but it gives you that. And that's a, the value of um, $50 per person per year is also included once you get registered. Yeah, just to talk to a couple of those things. The benefit of the Google AdWords grant is as long as you keep administering at least once a month, like logging in and checking and changing keywords and whatnot, it's indefinite. You apply for that grant, and that is great. Um, whereas uh, the Google Apps, uh, recently when they changed their policies uh, last fall, I believe, you're limited to five email addresses, but you can still get Google Apps. Like, Pierce Williams runs all of our email stuff on Google Apps. When we signed up as a nonprofit in 2006, we were given 250 users, and and we're grandfathered in on the new policy. So, I have like 300. You know, I have literally 200 users that I haven't even tapped yet. But what we do at Camp with Google Apps is we give all of our leadership team gets their camp name at piercewilliams.org when they join the leadership team and that's what some of them they're like man I just want my email address to be like piercewilliams.org and, and then I'm okay if they keep using it after they leave and um, and I add nicknames to their email addresses so it might be their full name right joe.richards at piercewilliams.org because then it looks more professional versus their camp name um, right. for when they're actually using it for real stuff yeah awesome that's a great pick Joe thank you Gab, what's your what's your pick? Uh, my pick is um, the Philips Sound Shooter uh, wireless um, speaker, basically, and it's just Bluetooth, no batteries. It charges off your computer, um, and you can use it with your iPad, iPhone, or or a computer. But I like it for presentations if I don't want if I don't need a huge speakers, but something bigger than my my computer. Then this works really really well. That's my awesome. tool of the week. Yeah, and it comes with a carabiner that you can clip on, but because uh, I fiddle with things, it's somewhere in the house. But yeah, it's right. pretty cool. <laughs> and it was, it's like fifty bucks, so it's a it's a good it's a steal of a deal. 
Well, and it'd be great for a camp program too, is you don't have to move the PA system. I know that PAs are an ongoing discussion right now in the summer camp pros group. Um, and uh, for something you don't have to move a whole PA system around, you just need a little sound for a small program, it'd be great. Yeah, exactly. And I've I've dropped this many uh, times, and it's it works really well. <laughs> Still, so awesome. I'm happy with it. Yeah, it's cool. Great, that's great. Thank you very much. So my tool is I'm going to hold it up here. It is um, a homemade tool, uh, and this is a duct tape key, duct tape key fob. Um, and what I I found some instructions on a website called strobus.com. Um, S-T-R-O-B-I-S-T dot com. Um, it's about photography. And in in his case, he was talking about um, what I did here is make um, a roll of gaffer tape um, and put it on a keychain so you could, or you could on a little, make a little ring so you can attach it to a keychain. Um, now, I made mine pretty fat, and I made it out of gaffer tape, which is pretty expensive, usually a little more expensive than most camps would want to have with their staff. But if you had some good, um, inexpensive duct tape, be, um, almost a craft you could do with the staff um, at the beginning of training because it's made with a paper clip, a stub of pencil, and duct tape, and I happen to find a a key ring. And this way staff could attach it to um, their first aid kits if they carry them all the time. They could attach it to their backpacks, etc. and always have some duct tape with them. Um, as a director, I would encourage you to check out gaffer tape. It doesn't leave any marks. Um, it sticks almost as well as duct tape, but um, also rips its fabric. Um, but it doesn't stick on anything and leave a, a mark on stuff. So it would be good for you to keep around the office and maybe make one of these of your own. But the instructions are there. It took me five minutes to make, um, and I've made uh, I've probably made four or five of them. So I have them on my my briefcase, on all my camera bags, etc. So that's the duct tape or um, gaffer tape key fob that I did. Uh, that's so cool. That's you can find it. That's so cool. Like that's hardcore. That's, <laughs> that I can see. I can see us totally. Doing that and having attaching like those little mini sharpies, yes, onto it as well. I'm perfect. This, I'm, I know this is something staff are gonna feel really, really cool <laughs> carrying around. They're gonna be like, "This is awesome! Yeah. I made this." <laughs> the um, I, I love the the mini sharpies. I um, when I was back when I was a wilderness first responder. Um, we often talked about the value of duct tape, not just in for wound management, for communications. Um, and it would be great to attach it to a first aid kit because if you're transferring patient care from one person to another and the patient um, can't speak, then you have to provide a way that the next caregiver and the next caregiver can know what's going on or has a record of things. And we often, um, or we are trained to anyway, stick a big piece of duct tape on their leg or on their jacket or something and write vitals at the times we took them down that piece of duct tape with a Sharpie so that they would have that information. That'd be another great use for it too, is to have that a nice small roll of tape available to you. 
There you go. Well, thank you very much, all of you, for sharing your tools of the week. Um, and uh, again, I, I thank those who are watching. It's, it's fun to have people watch us live. We need to get better at announcing that we're going live ahead of time. I think those who are watching joined because Dan was smart enough to tweet this out. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll try to do better at that and also figure out a way so that we can um, take your questions or um, you know, get a bit of a response from people who are, are watching. So I hope that, that, that we can do better at that going forward. Uh, at this point, I'm going to give everybody a chance to let us know where they can reach you, find out more about what you do, etc. cetera. Um, we'll start with Gab since you were going last. Cool. Um, well, you can check out where I work at waro.com, um, or you can check out some of my uh, graphic design stuff at raildesign.com. Great. Thanks a lot, Gab. Thanks. And Dan? Uh, I uh, work for Frost Valley YMCA, which is frostvalley.org, <laughs> and I tweet at danlovescamp, and I also blog at the same address, uh, danlovescamp.com, and uh, write at unplug at camp.com as well. It's awesome. And I, just the other day, Dan, sent some people to your um, online posting social media policy for staff for um, a camp. Oh, that's great. Doing a bit of volunteer work, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I, I was, I was wa reading um, that survey we were talking about, and someone was saying how, and, and a lot of results say they don't let people uh, Facebook friend their, their campers. And I highly believe those people don't monitor it <laughs> if they if they have that very strict policy of absolutely no. Um, and our yeah. policy is to get consent, um, yeah. and it covers us a little bit better. But uh, but yeah, so great. Well, thanks for sharing all those resources. That's awesome. Yeah, no problem. And Joe. Well, I am the executive. Director at Pierce Williams Christian Center. You can find us at campisbetter.com. Life is good, camp is better. You can follow me on Twitter at yoyojoer. And just I wanted to give another mention to Kim from Virginia who came uh, via Camp Hacker to Buckeye, and that was awesome. That is awesome. Thank you, Kim, for mentioning it to Joe. That's good. And writing it on your form. That helps us a lot, too. She mentioned it to like everybody. It was awesome. <laughs> you don't realize how awesome it was. For all the camp directors, they're like, should I watch this camp hacker? And I was like, yes, you should. <laughs> That's great. That's great. It's fun for us that um, people recognize us and, and, and say hello. I, there was a lot of people when I was at the, the Mid-States conference who mentioned that they watched the show. And I know both Dan and Gab have had people recognize their voice just yeah. spot speaking in a hallway at a conference. Yeah. 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 I ran into a few people. Yeah. Yep. Fame has gone to my head. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> so thank you to those who reach out and uh, and let us know these things. It's wonderful for us. Um, you can find the show notes for this. They will be on our blog at camphacker.tv. That's also where you can find the audio version of this and download it or listen on your computer at camphacker.tv. But we are on iTunes and the Stitcher app. Um, and uh, we need to get Joe off screen fast. Um, if you have any <laughs> questions that you want us to answer, um, you can go to camphacker.tv slash questions and fill in a quick form there or uh, let us know by emailing me. Um, and really, the best address for me is my work address, which is travis at socialcatalyst.ca. And um, 
thank you to the three of you for a good show. We look forward to having the three of you back next time. And uh, we know that um, Paul Sheridan is going to be joining us again for our next discussion, which um, I knew what the topic was, but I forget. <laughs> it's a good one. It's one we almost did this week, but Paul wasn't able to join us. Yeah. Anyway, it'll be a good one. So we're, we'll be grateful to have Paul back. And uh, if anyone ever wants to be a host, please just reach out to us and let us know. And that's it. Thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Building great camp community at camphacker.org.